It's human nature to avoid things we don't like. I mean, some of us have been avoiding vegetables for decades, and we're really good at it. Um, others of us, we avoid uh, things that that are like uncomfortable, uh, like conversations. Um, and for me, I avoid scary movies. I do not like scary movies to the point where I think the last, and some of you might not even consider this movie scary, but I watched that movie Signs with Mel Gibson and the aliens, and that had to be in the early 2000s. I was a grown man and I was looking over my shoulder um, to, to see these aliens or whatever. I just, I, I avoid them. So some of these things that we don't like uh, have the potential to hurt us and other ones don't. Uh, but I, I'm actually excited to talk to you about this verse that I really don't like. Uh, this first part of the book of James, I do not like at all. And we're gonna take the next several weeks to go through this amazing letter, verse by verse. And I, I, I know there's a lot of good stuff in here, but this week, I, I have to be honest, I know as a pastor, this might sound really weird, I do not like this verse and I avoid it whenever I can. And really this question that we're going to be wrestling with is what do we do when there's nothing we can do? And um, the, the thing that we can't miss as we start out that gives this author so much credibility happens right here in verse one. James is addressing this letter and it, he starts out, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is James. And this, almost all scholars agree that James was the brother of Jesus. So before we get into this book and, and, and start mining these truths out, I need to ask you, what would it take, for those of you that have siblings, what would it take for your sibling to convince you that they were, they are God incarnate. <laughs> For those of you who are, imagine you're a middle child and your oldest brother says, I'm God incarnate. Like what? And throughout the scriptures, we have these instances in the book of Mark and in the book of John where Jesus's family would come up to him and say, you got to chill out with this stuff, these, these things that you're preaching. And it even talks about his family disowning him, many parts of his family disowning him. And imagine uh, growing up with this, this, uh, this older brother, older half-brother that, that keeps saying things like he's the son of God and, and keeps stirring up trouble. Imagine you're, you're saying like, I'm just trying to keep my head down here. We're from Nazareth. We're not rich. We're not from the best part of the country. Bro, you've got to chill out. Uh, and maybe people making fun of him, uh, uh, James growing up, and then, and then enduring the ultimate humiliation to have your, your older sibling crucified on a cross, labeled as a traitor to the Roman government, labeled as a, a heretic to the Jewish faith. And being crucified on the cross was the most vulgar thing that could happen to somebody in the first century. It was the kind of thing you didn't even talk about at the dinner table. Yet here we go, years and years later, after all of this, there's this letter addressed to these pockets of Jewish background Jesus followers that James is writing. And he starts it off with James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, that says a lot that somewhere 
James, who probably saw his brother crucified, saw what his mother went through watching her son be crucified, wondering, am I going to have to deal with the humiliation of being the brother of that guy who was crucified, that one who thought he was the chosen one of God to liberate us all from Israel. Like something happened between his childhood, seeing Jesus and experiencing Jesus being crucified, but seeing the change that happened was when James saw the resurrected Christ. Somewhere in there, he came to believe that not only was his brother right, but he, he, he went all in. He put his own skin in the game. And here at this point, as he's starting out this letter, he says, hey, this is James here. I'm a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this guy, James, was a leader in the first century church. Uh, for 30 years, other apostles, uh, other uh, the first leaders of the Christian movement, uh, Paul went all over the Mediterranean rim. Peter had his adventures, but James stayed put in the church in Jerusalem for 30 years. And we know from, from Acts chapter 7 that things, things were incredibly hard for this church. They were labeled, in our day, we would call them heretics, but back then they, they, were, they were called blasphemers. That has even more stank on it. That, that the, the Jewish authorities, especially in Jerusalem, said, no, 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 no. Uh, you guys are Jesus followers, you are out. You are excommunicated. They weren't given access to the temple. They weren't given, their poor weren't given access uh, to relief from the temple. And man, it was really, really tough. It got so hard for the church in Jerusalem that actually, as we read through the rest of the New Testament, as Paul is making his journeys throughout the Mediterranean Rim, starting these new gatherings of Christians, it's not uncommon for Paul to take up an offering for, from these new believers to go and help out their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem because things were so hard on them. Religious persecution, financial persecution, physical persecution, and James is writing to them. And I think over the next few weeks, James has a lot to say to us. Um, uh, but it's not just something that happened a long time ago, that this, um, this wisdom that's here that really answers the question, what do we do when there's nothing for us to do? I think it has a lot of comfort for us considering everything we've been through in the past year and a half. And then for our uncertain future, this book was written to a group of people that were about to go through uncertain times and were already going through uncertain times. So James is a person who is surrounded by and responsible for people in crisis. So let's listen up and let's lean into this. Um, here in, um, as he continues uh, in this letter in the first chapter, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That's the part I don't like. Cards are on the table. I don't like that. Consider it pure joy, pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That's hard. That makes me uncomfortable. And just to play, it still means the same thing, but I love to, to play around with the wording of this so it makes more sense to our English speaking ears. I would say it like this, that James is saying, whenever you face trials of many kinds, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Not if you face hard times, not 
not maybe just in case, like keep this in your back pocket, but he's saying when you face hard times, consider it pure joy. Not, uh, not and, um, this whenever word. Um, it's not, like I said, it's not if ever, but in the original language, it has this uh, connotation like, like being surprised and other books from around the same time period use that term as like the kind of surprise you get when you're being robbed. <laughs> it's not a positive surprise. It's not happy birthday. It's getting that phone call from the doctor with the diagnosis. It's getting pulled into the office and letting know, letting being uh, told like the company's downsizing, you don't have a job. It's uh, hearing uh, from your kids or your grandkids that they're they're leaving the faith, or or they're going through a hard time, or when a spouse says, "I'm done, uh, I, I want a divorce." It's that kind of surprise. And the word "consider" there uh, literally means to adjust your thinking, and uh, and that's the the tension there for me. Like, just like you, I go through hard, we all go through hard times, and it's a constant adjustment for me to consider that in my paradigm, that there may be joy in this. And James is saying, it's possible. Uh, He goes on in verse three, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So trials demonstrate something, and trials produce something. These trials They show you something, and then they produce something. So uh, what they show us is the authenticity of our faith. When hard times come, when we're at the end of our rope, and our confidence in God is tested, that's that's the time when what we believe is tested. What we were taught when we were a kid is tested. Do we really believe all of this? Is this something that we've merely intellectually ascended to? Or are we placing our future, our hope for this life and the next in what God says? Are we going to follow God just when it's easy? Or are we still going to be people of integrity? Are we still going to trust uh, even when times are hard? You know, this theme is all throughout the Bible. It's there at the beginning in the Garden of Eden. There was uh, Adam and Eve could eat from the tree of life, which represented surrender and dependence and focus. Or they could eat, God said, don't eat from the knowledge of true, uh, of good and evil, which represents um, striving. It represents earning. It represents figuring things out on your own. It represents independence from God. When we go through hard times and our faith is tested, we have another choice. It's not an easy choice. Are we going to trust in ourselves and our own abilities to fix our problems, our own conflict resolution skills, the, our own bank account balance, or are we going to trust that God is up to something? Are we? And it's not fun. So when circumstances deteriorate, artificial and counterfeit, uh, counterfeit, what's in it for me kind of faith, that goes right out the window. And it's like, all right, here we go. All the cards are on the table. Am, are we going to believe this? And James is saying like I you know what I don't think he's saying just pull yourself up by the bootstraps just consider it pure joy my friends he's saying like there is joy in this there is a journey towards joy even in the darkest of times even when it looks like there is no hope 
have faith that, that God is actually at work. There actually is hope and God's not done. Another way to say it is there is joy in discovering joy in our trials. But what kind of joy? Like I said before, it's not the, the happy birthday kind of joy. It's not the, 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 the kind of joy you get when there's an unexpected check in your mailbox from, from somewhere. Like James is talking about the deep, anchored in what God says kind of joy. That, that God has done something and God is doing something and God will continue to move things in your life, but also bigger picture that God is moving this whole world towards something and that something is good. That kind of joy that's anchored and deep, way past beyond the surface emotions. James is saying, no matter what we can go through, we can discover these bits of joy and how God is with us no matter what we go through. James continues to say in verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So it shows us where we're at in our faith journey. And just so you know, there's no, there's no judgment there. It's just like a litmus test. It's a, a map, a compass. Like, okay, when you go through a hard time, like this is where I'm at in my journey. Do I believe this in, in just my head or is it gonna is it gonna come out in my in my walk and my actions and and God is right there to help no matter where you're at and when you continue saying God even if you're in the place where you say God I believe but help my unbelief even if you say God I I, I don't believe yet and I don't have faith yet but I want to want to believe I want to want to believe that things will will turn out turn out the way you want them to in the end, God can totally work with that. And as we continue on that journey, as long as our hearts are pointed towards Jesus, James says that that faith produces perseverance. The trials exercise our faith like a muscle. I think James would be, uh, he, one way he would say it, if you're here with you and I just hanging out, he would say, don't leave the gym early. Like this, this, this perseverance, it's, it's like a muscle. Um, and um, they, I, I just started working out again, and my muscles are so tired. If I just said, ooh, this is, this is a little bit sore right now, I'm going to quit um, altogether. Like, it's just uncomfortable. I'm never going back to the gym. I'm never going back to that exercise class. The muscle wouldn't be as strong, and there wouldn't be as much, much perseverance and endurance and God doesn't cause these trials as James will get to, but God uses them. That's one of the things for me is I've gone through hard times, like going like, I don't know how, I don't understand, I never would have chosen this scenario. It's not my plan, but I'm gonna trust that even though there's pain here, there's uncertainty, anxiety, one of the things that I hold on to is that, that God's gonna get me through this, and even if he doesn't get me through this, God is going to use this for good. God can turn this around. It's like spiritual judo. God can use even the worst experiences for his purposes to help move this creation to where God wants, God wants it to go, and that place is good. And James continues in verse 4, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I'll say it again. No matter what you're going through, don't leave the gym early. 
don't bail out in the middle of the process because if your story isn't good god's not done like going back to james his context and when he was writing this leading a church that was persecuted for 30 years facing all kinds of hardships financial health uh, social he they didn't give up and things didn't necessarily turn out like a hollywood ending for all of them but God used what they went through to change the course of human history. Other people saw this faith. Uh, the people around them saw that they were going through hard times. And, and that stood out as a contrast, going like, how can you face this and you still have joy? How can you face this and still have hope? Like, what in the world would convince you uh, to, to keep living this life when all you'd have to do is just, you know, Forget that Jesus stuff and go along with what everyone else is doing and what everyone else is saying. But they were able to share Jesus and the the Jesus movement kept growing and growing. So don't bail out in the middle of the process. I know it's hard. I know there are many of you facing insurmountable obstacles, insurmountable depression, grief, addiction, sickness. Like James isn't saying any of this is easy. He is saying, don't give up. Hold on to Jesus. Keep your heart focused on Jesus. And, and um, this is what, like, this thing that we want removed, that's the thing God is choosing to use. The thing that we say, you know, uh, this is like the, the epicenter of God's activity in your life. Whatever this problem is that you're going through, and I can totally prove it to you right now. What are you praying about right now? Like, what do you keep asking God to take away from your life or to change? Like, that's what God is, is using to grow you, to mature you, and to make you stronger. The tension in our lives is the exact center of what God is doing. And James would say to you and me, don't shortchange the process. This is going to, it's, yes, I know it's brutal, but it's going to be beautiful. God uses everything. I love Rick Warren. I heard him say this on a podcast, or maybe it was a CD a long time ago, that God never wastes a hurt. What you're going through isn't for nothing. It's not just going to go away. It can help somebody someday, and it can make you stronger, give you more perseverance, and God is with you in the process. I know it's not easy, and we often we often have trouble, and I, I'm, I'm the first one in line like to say, I have trouble connecting the dots when I'm going through a hard time, or when I hear about somebody who something horrible happens, losing a loved one or whatever, and, I, and I'm talking to someone who feels like they're just hanging on like by a finger, like, I believe this, but I'll help. Like James also says that there's help for us when we can't make sense of what's going on, and when we feel like we're in a fog. Uh, He continues on and says, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And I love this part. If any of you lacks wisdom, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. See, you're probably like me. I read that and I say, I want relief from this, not wisdom. (laughs) Like, seriously, just take it. Is it that hard? 
like just to wipe out this this drama in my life or this anxiety in my life. But God, but James says, okay, yes, yes, I know it's hard, but we don't serve a stingy God. Like if we ask for wisdom, God will help us connect the dots. God will give us the um, that whatever it is that we need, a person, a community, um, wisdom or perspective so that we can get through these trials. Unfortunately, we can't get over them, around them, under them. God has a really good track record of taking his sons and daughters through difficult times. And God says that, that, it's freely given. I love that because so many times we can have this, this view of God that's like stingy, especially when we're going through difficult circumstances and feel like God's withholding relief from us or withholding comfort from us. Another saying, so many preachers have said it before, uh, but it's true and I, <laughs> that God isn't as interested in our comfort as we would like God to be. That is, it's not fair, but it, it's true. But at the same time, James is offering us comfort here saying, we serve a, a, a father unlike any we've ever known. We have a heavenly father unlike any father we've ever known. And if we lack wisdom, if we don't know what to do, we can ask and God gives help freely. Not, not like, okay, you can have this. And it's not just the kind of thing like take two of these and call me in the morning and get out of here. It's like, we serve a God who's also suffered. Jesus has suffered in every way that we can imagine. There's no temptation uncommon to man, the scripture says. And, and God has promised that he will be with us. Jesus said, I will never leave you and never forsake you. James uh, verse, chapter 1, verse 6 says, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. But because... Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. This person, person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. So let's unpack that a little bit. This, these waves, I love talking about waves. If you've been around solid ground for a while, you've probably heard me talk about waves before. And as I was reading a commentary, uh, on this passage from N.T. Wright, he talks about going to the beach as a boy and loving to watch the waves. And he assumed that the waves only came from really far away. And, uh, but he's learning how wind and tides and all these things interact. And he loved watching waves appear and splash against the rocks. Um, and he said something that I've been chewing on for a little while. He says that the goal of the Christian faith, or the goal of faith in particular, is, is to not be a wave. That there's, there's a way to, to ask, as we're asking God for help, that God will give us this faith. And this faith is not some superpower. Like preachers have said some funny things about faith. Um, that's not the kind of faith James is talking about. James isn't saying, uh, faith is some sort of way of manipulating God into doing something or to manipulating the circumstances of your life the way you want them to go. Faith is, is not a way of obeying yourself into some sort of blessing or obeying yourself into some sort of outcome that you want to happen. That faith is different. It's a confidence 
that God has already done something, that, that God is in, in the midst and will take you through whatever you're going through. It's a confidence that your story fits into God's big story and that God will never, ever waste a hurt. In James' world, like I said, things didn't really get better, but God used it and God will use whatever you are going through and God will be with you no matter what you're going through. And as, as I've reflected back on my own experience, and I come back to this passage often because it does make me uncomfortable. And I, I need a, a regular shift in my perspective. Because if it were up to me, it would just be like rainbows and unicorns and everything would be easy all the time because I've given my life to Jesus. Now I, I have to fight the lie in the back of my head that says, okay, now that I've surrendered my life to God, like... I should be able to put things on cruise control or autopilot and just kind of coast through life. But as I look through my life and, and reflect on some of the things that I've gone through in my limited experience, like when did I learn to trust God? It was in the hard times. When, when did I feel most alive? Usually in the hard times, even when it was uncomfortable. When do one of the most interesting parts of my life that I, that I knew that like I had to depend on God almost like on a moment by moment basis, it was when, when I was facing or when my wife and I were facing tough times together. And I think about the kind of Christians that inspire me and the kind of Christians I want to be. I want to be the kind of Christian. I want to be the kind of Jesus followers that, that can face hard times and still know, like, okay, this, at the same time, this is really hard. I'm going through pain. I can name that. I, I'm, not, I'm not minimizing it, not sticking my head in the sand. But at the same time, I know that God is still with me and God is moving in this and God is, is, is using this somehow. And I think of so many folks on our solid ground online campus over the past year and a half that have faced or are facing cancer, other kinds of illnesses, um, injuries, or just the isolation of, of hearing the stories of, of how we've faced lockdowns or not being able to see our friends and family and travel as much as we can or, or the relational carnage that's happened because of how polarized our cultures are. There's people we haven't talked to, our uncles or aunts or, or kids even. Um, I'm so inspired by people who can face their pain but also have faith that even though they don't understand how, to know that, you know what, God is going to use this and God is going to, to move this situation uh, somewhere good. So when you feel blown, blown around and tossed around by the wind, our job isn't to try to fight it. Our job isn't to try to like figure it out even, but to ask God for help. You know, I, I envision a, a turbulent coastline uh, but God God's presence there like that, that we can actually like it's a pillar we can hang on to or an anchor um, but I think even better uh, an even better metaphor is to dive down deeper because no matter what the surface is doing it could be a hurricane uh, and, and 20 foot 30 foot swells but the deeper you go under the surface the calmer it is 
and that God can take us through the storm if we're continuing to surrender to God and to trust and to, to trust in the people that God's put around us and the, 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 the words that God has given us in Scripture that can anchor us so we're not tossed around by our, by our experiences. So I think the challenge here and what James is challenging us to do in 2021 is to go deeper, uh, to go deeper into God and to surrender more and more of our lives to Jesus. Uh, skipping down a few verses, James says in, in verse 12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So. Now, what is the crown of life? I have no idea, but I do know that this says that God values and God uses a persevering faith and that no matter what you're going through, God is not done with you. God is still there, ready and available to help get you through no matter what you're going through. God is not done yet. So what I'd love uh, to see this week, uh, whether it's in the chat down below or or you want to uh, send us a, a personal message on social media or an email, I'd love for us to just discuss, or maybe you can have this discussion um, with the people in your life. Um, I'd love for you to ask this question, has your faith or confidence in God ever been tested? And what did that do to your perseverance? What did that test do. I would love to hear your responses. I'd love to read them. And um, I'm always inspired. I'm always encouraged when I hear uh, how people went through, went through tough times and, and um, what God did. Um, but I'm, and I'd love to just share those with you. So that's our little discussion question. And, and one challenge for this week is to just pray this simple prayer. Heavenly Father, use this until you choose to remove this. And um, just praying that God will, will give us a new perspective. And even, even if that idea is so foreign to us, to help us to realize that there is joy available to us no matter what we go through. Uh, let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you that you didn't just give us a, a simple formula, like even though that would be easier, but you've given us this example of someone who's come before us who's faced difficult times and who can kind of guide us through joy and for every situation we're going through today as a church family, would you please comfort? Would you please strengthen, embolden, and, and give, give us as brothers and sisters in Christ the strength to hang on? Would you please hang on for us when we're, we're not even strong enough uh, to hang on for ourselves? We point our hearts towards you and ask that, that you would give us your eyes to see this world, this culture, and the circumstances that we're facing. And would you please strengthen us so that we can be used by you in your big story. In the mighty and strong and powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us this week. Uh, I'd love to hear from you during the week. Don't be shy. Please drop us a line at sgbic.com. Let us know how you're doing, what you're going through, how we can pray for you. And until we're together again, may the Lord bless you and keep you and strengthen you, mature you, and, and cause you to move towards completion. May you sense God with you, steadying you 
And may the Lord give you his peace. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.